Welcome to Dream Maker, a podcast brought to you by First National Bank of Syracuse. At FNB, we strive to make sure that every life we touch is improved. Join us for each episode as we cover a wide range of topics, from financial wellness and marketing to mental health and ways to enjoy life overall. We may even teach you a thing or two about cultivating healthy soil. We are here to improve your life and so glad you've joined us today. Now, here are your hosts for today's episode of Dream Maker. Well, this is Chris Floyd, President and CEO of the First National Bank, and we're here with, wow, of our Season 3, Episode 4 of our DreamMaker podcast, and we've had a lot of questions about interest rates and where they're going and how they're moving. So so this week, I thought I'd get our local in-house expert, uh, Shane Burdett. Shane is our CFO and uh, actually lives and works in Kansas City. So uh, he started for us in March of 2020 of all times right there. So he was, we were uh remote and cool before the pandemic made people get remote and cool that way so so we'll start off shane how about give you a little introduction in your history and and how you uh help us manage money sure um you know chris said i started here uh you know basically two years ago you know i've been in uh basically on the treasury side of community banking for you know a little over 20 years i guess basically any range from, you know, current size, you know, the 400, 450 million asset size up to over 20 billion. So kind of a broad range of different sizes and whatnot. So um, even worked on a, a sweet bank, a little bit different, you know, part of a brokerage. So a little bit different on that front, but all kinds of different issues with rates and, and money movement and all kinds of stuff. So all kinds of fun learning activities within the, the rate world and investment side. So. Yeah, and you think, man, in 20-some years, we've seen a wide variety of rates. I remember, like, shoot, 20 years. Yeah, I've been, like, in our current home, I've been just a little over 20 years. I think my first mortgage rate was over 9%, maybe 9.5 or something, you know. And, and, you know, in this last, you know, in 20, 20, and 21, you know, we had done a lot of right at 3% 30-year mortgages. So, you know, there's wide swings, and it makes a big impact for um, us and our customers both. Um so I guess, why don't you give us, you know, we're here, so maybe to date this, March, April 28th, recording this. And so we have the, the Federal Reserve meeting next week. Um, can you just give like a quick overview of kind of what, uh, I guess, is expected, how they do things, and and then kind of, I guess, too, well, maybe what their goal is. Right. So, you know, I guess the Federal Reserve, the, the, uh, the FOMC kind of, Rechanged or to kind of you know reassessed how they they communicate to to the market and to the world in general you know after the financial crisis hit in 2008 so they became a little bit more transparent um, you know even put a dual rate or a dual target uh, an upper lower bound on the Fed funds target which is the only rate really they can can, can control um, so you know. We always hear about the upper target and that, that's their main target. And that's how, you know, that's what banks trade. So the, the rates that the banks would trade uh, to borrow money back and forth between other banks. So, you know, but they do have a dual mandate as set per Congress. Um, 
you know, inflation to keep that basically under wraps and not too out of whack, which that's the big topic these days. But, you know, their goal of that is around 2%. They, they feel that that's enough to keep growth continuing, but not, uh, you know, restrain it any and get out of whack. Or it's not too low that there's other issues there. Um, and then, of course, maximum unemployment. So or maximum employment, keeping unemployment rates down. So that's kind of where they work there. They've, of course, you know, implemented dot plot and where they expect rates to go, you know, assuming there's lots of assumptions that go into that. And you don't know which Fed president, you know, or board member, you know, submits what dot plot. You just see it as a whole and kind of as a consensus where they kind of where where their thoughts and and goals go from you know where rates could end up assuming certain things. So. Lots of information, you know, they, and of course it's the Fed, so they have all information available at their fingertips without any type of issues there. So they're trying to make sure basically that we continue at a high, high employment, low inflation and keep that growth engine continuing. That's their main goal there. So, And you mentioned like, you know, the Fed funds rate that they control and basically it's pretty much directly correlated to like for our case, what New York prime, you know, we actually have an internal base rate we use too. And so um, pretty much they go together, wouldn't you say, or, or there's not much, I don't know if there's ever been very much deviation that I can remember, but I can't right. remember. Yeah. <laughs> they, they pretty much go hand in hand. Yeah. There might be a slight every now and then here, there's something different um, where, where prime would, would be different, but generally thinking, you know, prime New York prime is always uh, 3% higher than the, the fed funds rate. So that's the, the general take on exactly how that, that fits in, in into the, the rates. And then, of course, if you're looking at other rates, if you're looking at the treasuries rates, kind of the that three-month uh, treasury is kind of very close to what the Fed Fund's target rate is as well. Okay, three-month treasury. So, like, um, you know, of course, the you know, New York Prime and, and kind of the Fed Fund's rate drives a lot of our short-term borrowing, need, you know, costs for our customers, whether it be, operate notes or, you know, financing, whatever, um, on kind of a seasonal basis. But, uh, the term stuff gets a little more interesting, I guess. Um, uh, you know, we were talking beforehand, uh, you know, a lot of times I believe was a 10 year for or 10 year treasury usually tracks the mortgage rates or kind of a moves as it moves. Is that about right? There, there's a correlation between the two. Yes. Yeah. Probably not perfect ever, but right. Exactly. But, um, you know, one thing is kind of interesting, of course, you know, we price loans for one thing unique about us is we do, you know, we'll do a 15 year fixed loan. And I guess it's a change job to, to hedge our money and make sure it works for the bank so we can help our customers. But um, or to make sure the bank's OK, I guess, or not not OK, it's doing really well. Um, but, um, you know, our we kind of our model uses federal home loan bank rates as the base. How does that vary? Or do you see that vary those very much from treasuries or, you know, uh, you know, cause I don't, those aren't published to the customer, I guess. So they don't see those ever, but right. Or, or, or our customers our can't customers. see those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, for the, the home loan bank and generally speaking, they've been pretty close to treasury. I mean, there's always changes and whatnot. So, I mean, you know, you go back to the home loan bank system that was established right around early 1900s, late 1800s, that time period area. Um, and it was, a, it was a way for basically for 
the federal government to help banks and it, it's a lender to other banks or to the banks. So that's, you know, yeah, they're districts and it's that, that front. So they're setting up rates to, you know, and of course they're like everybody else and it depends on how banks are, you know, the supply and demand of, of funding needs for the banks. So generally speaking, they're going to track pretty close to treasury rates, but times like, you know, basically times like today where it's a little bit different and how how the money supply has changed a little bit than you know historical standards it has changed how the the demand for funds from the home loan banks is a little bit different so they're not quite as tight uh or you know less spread between the home loan bank rate and treasury rates as as it has been in the past so yeah that spread's kind of an interesting term too because you know like i guess you'd say you know in in I guess we're talking about bond markets and things like that. Your treasury rate's kind of the, I guess you call the gold standard, I guess you would say, of debt, <laughs> if there's such a thing. Some people may disagree. I guess, about <laughs> yeah, gold right. standard, but yeah. Yeah. You, you think of the treasury rates as, you know, the U.S. government will not default on their debt. So you will always get your principal back. Uh, and that's kind of why that's the, the gold standard. And that's where, where it comes from is that's the base. And then anything else on top of that is, any type of spread being is like, is there any type of question on whether or not rates would, or that, that principle would come back. That's where those, those term spreads start to come into play. And then how that relates into how much more um, interest rates would be applied to certain terms. Yeah, that's kind of, it's, and I think part of it is like, it's unreal how much those move, I guess you would say. You know, especially I get, and probably not the home loan bank that we're talking about, but you know, spreads for whether it be corporate debt or anything like that, or mortgages and things like that. They kind of seem to, I guess, it's more of a supply demand that's generated from all kinds of factors. I guess that people are yeah, at. yeah. I wish it was simple and we could throw in just a couple different factors or assumptions, but it's never that easy, right? So yeah. <laughs> Or else we'd be on the yacht somewhere, right? That's right. Trading and not have to worry about any of this stuff. So, um, so one of the reasons, um, you know, I think um, uh, that makes Shane such a good fit at our bank is, you know, how he learned to invest and things like that. And and uh, we were talking the other day, and really how we invest would be almost the opposite of how our customers would want to borrow, would be fairly close to say, or... I mean, it's kind of the same reasoning, but maybe in a different, you're on the other side, right? You're on the other side. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, part of it, I think the thing our customers get into a little bit is, you know, um, and it's kind of funny. I've talked to two or three prospects for sure here and customers in the last, you know, four, well, since the beginning of the year that would, uh, basically lived through the eighties and they remember the interest rate changes in the eighties where I don't know how prime got what 21 or some percent or it was over the twenties. I know that much. Yeah. Um, kind of glad I wasn't around to have to worry about that part, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, they remember the, the big changes in interest rates and, you know, that was, you know, very stressful. Um, and really kind of, I guess say destructive. Oh, well, I guess, you know, we had bad inflation. So you get, you know, inflation is not good either. So you had to control inflation, but you know, a lot of ripples between the SNLs and even, uh, was it farm credit system struggled and, you know, just farming in general struggled because it kind of really messed with land values and whatnot. But so, so hopefully we don't get to that way, but you know, that's, 
not saying it could. Um, so, so I guess when they're sitting there like, you know, as an option, you know, uh, most banks that go three to five years fix, like I mentioned, will go up to 15. But there's always, um, like one of our guys, you know, say there's no free moves, right? So you're always kind of giving up something to do that. Um, how, um, I'm trying to think is what's the kind of factors to look at, to decide, do you think where, how long would I go? I guess it'd be the same way we borrow money to, you know, hedge our, you know, loans we make interest cost, I guess. So I guess when you're looking to fund our liabilities, I right. guess maybe that's a better way to put it. I kind of <laughs> rambled. I don't know if I got to, you know, finally get to a halfway decent question here. But I guess the things when you looked at the how long to fund or when you fund our liabilities, what are kind of the big factors you look at? Yeah. So, you know, when we, you know, funding our liabilities, we like to, you know, if rates are low, you'd rather go out long. I mean, it's it's the same thing, I guess, as a, as a general thought process of, of a homeowner, you know, if you can borrow it at that 3% for 30 years, that's a lot better than 6%. So you've, you've doubled your interest expense there. So, you know, we would borrow in wise, it's always, you know, you'd prefer to go longer, of course, at a shorter rate. So, and of course, doing that, you can also take on more. And that's kind of where, you know, as you're you know, talking about the Fed and the movements to cut inflation is if rates are low, companies can usually, you know, in general, you could take on more debt because the interest expense um, is possible because you, you actually more debt, you, you limited expense or interest expense because you have that more debt. Now, as rates rise, of course, you know, if interest rates basically doubled, you know, you're going to have to cut your debt in half to have the same expense. So that's the general thinking on what's going on. So we would, you know, we would, um, I guess, is if we can always fund, you know, a lot of banks, have match funded a lot of times. That's a, that's always a possibility where, you know, if your customer is borrowing for ten years, you can match fund that and go out the same way. And, and it's just a general general spread that you're kind of working on as a bank. But you know, there's always op- um, options, opportunities within that let longer term. So that's where always the questions come into play uh, on how assets and liabilities change throughout the ter- uh, time period. So. What kind of optionalities is, is embedded within, um, you know, we'll just use mortgages because that's the easiest for people to understand is, although it's a 30-year term, there's always a possibility you could refinance, um, you could move. So, of course, that has to change the, the term so and, and change the loan. So, there's, there's little things like that that's not just, you know, straightforward. And that's also, you know, I think why the... Uh, mortgage rates usually trend towards that ten-year treasury because, generally speaking, it's you know it's not the same as a thirty-year. So people do move, refinance, all kinds of different things on that front. So we always like to look at you know it, where things kind of cash flow purposes as well. So there's a lot of different factors that come into that, but it's never quite as long as you know stated maturity. I guess is the key. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So like if, um, you know, one of the things um, you hear a lot about too, and, and they'll mention like even, uh, man, especially at certain times of the month on CNBC, you know, or something like that, talking about, you know, the yield curve getting inverted and, and whatnot and how that affects um, not only 
the what the I guess what we borrow at, our customer borrows money at. Um, so I know they throw around the slope of the yield curve. How does that kind of affect your decision making? I guess as far as yeah. So generally speaking, the yield curve is an expectation of future rates. The market's expectation of future rates. Um, you know, as an as an aggregate. So. You know, as you, you see now, I mean, you, you go out basically the treasury, the two-year treasury, I think it's like 260, 265 right now. Um, so that's basically, generally speaking, I'm thinking, okay, the Fed's going to move the short end up. Um, you know, that's kind of the general thought on that front. But at two years, is it 260, 265? Well, the 10 years is about 285. So we're only talking 20 basis points, give or take. Uh, between the two-year and the and the ten-year, from term that's eight years difference, and you're only picking up twenty basis points. Uh, historically, that slope is about 125 basis points. Um, so the expectation is, of course, you know, you can always think of this as a personal level, but uh, you know, bank-wise, is you know, lending money to somebody in, or um, company personal. On two years, okay, you're going to tie up those funds and it's, you know, we're going to get something. Well, if you're going to tie up those funds for 10 years, we want to get paid for that. And that's the general thought on why a longer term, you know, is a higher interest rate. So knowing that basically there's little spread or little slope in the treasury curve right now between like the two years and the 10 years is saying that probably the growth expectations going forward um, is limited. So they're not thinking that maybe the Fed will move up and that's a lot of it's inflation driven at this point. But when they do that, is that going to choke off growth? Um, and that's probably why the treasuries on the longer terms, be it five out to 10 years, um, have not moved up as much as the, the short end uh, being like the two year. So, so that kind of, you know, changes how we think, of course, as a bank is, all right, if, if the Fed has to move and it's going to choke down the, the economy to make sure that inflation is under control, how does that affect all of our customers as well? So, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into that, but we want to, you know, make sure that we're not caught by surprise, I guess, going forward. Yep. So a bit like, you know, the situation you mentioned today, like, so like we had a customer where, and, you know, one thing we at the loan officer can help you kind of measure this you know, exactly how your interest rate would change in what scenario or your interest cost, depending on what rates do. So like in today's scenario, if like we had a customer that wanted to avoid paying more interest expense, like you're saying, there's really not much cost for them to go longer, I guess, to fix their rate longer today than what compared to. Correct. Right. So, yeah, because basically yeah, paying and paying interest rates for you know, the interest rate for two versus five years is probably minimal difference. So um, kind of helps you, you know, like, like you said, loan officers can help with that, but that's a thing where you start to, you look forward and see, plan out some of the cash flow issues and how that expense will, will affect, you know, kind of the, the general thought process on where business could be going forward and, you know, how that, that cash flow, that interest expense cash flow, um, w- w- the difference between the two could, could change your, you know, expectations. Yeah. So I guess, and so one thing that's been kind of crazy watching is how that, and I, the 10 years is just a fancy one to talk about, or I guess gets more publicity, I guess, because I don't think it's a round number, I suppose. But, <laughs> um, and then it's the correlation to the mortgage market, like you mentioned earlier. Um, 
but you know, it's kind of interesting. Like the fad of course start of the pandemic just went to pretty much zero, but that 10 year treasury has been all over the place. And so that kind of creates opportunity, I guess, for, uh, everybody, I guess, if they're wanting to control their costs on interest expense or, um, or whatever they want to do, I guess, as far as that goes. But so what kind of range have we seen in the last couple of years or how much variation, I guess, is variation, there right. lately, how much is moving? You know, daily, daily, it's, you know, I guess it always is. It's always interesting. It, it can jump and jump and move depending on some economic numbers and releases. But back at the end of, of 2020, uh, going to finish out the year in December, we were down around 50 basis points. So 0.5% uh, started to, of course, creep up as we moved into 2021, starting to see maybe the pandemic was going to be a little bit more under control and in, in that front. But so, you know, you're thinking, you know, 50 basis points and we're now, you know, 225 plus higher than that. So, you know, we've moved 2.25% uh, since the lows and that can make a big difference. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's why it's, you know, we're talking about 225%. That is, you know, four times over four times what it was. So you know, basically a 400% move in rates. Uh, you know, percentages are always fun when you use them like that, right? Um, yeah. As opposed to just the absolute level. So big movements. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's we always talk about U.S. because that's where we are, of course. Uh, and that's what's going to be our deciding factor. But, you know, we're, we're on a grand stage now and there's all kinds of, you know, other, all other uh, countries are involved in, in how things move now. And, you know, just that's the world we live in. It's truly a global world global environment, global economy. And, you know, we're not, we're not the highest, of course, we're not the lowest. Um, we're kind of right there in the middle with rates. And I guess that's, that's the defi- deciding factor on how all that continues to play into effect uh, with each other. Yeah. Now you think, okay, that's kind of interesting because, um, you know, earlier we talked about, you know, um, you know, the United States, you know, treasury being almost the gold standard of risk. But, you know, some government, there are negative rates, and but we've never really seen that in the U.S. Treasury market. Um, primarily, I don't know, my opinion is, I don't see if you agree or not, that a lot of the negative rates is because that government's really just buying their own debt back and just flushing cash, I guess, into the economy, their economies. But is that right or is I'm just dreaming? No, that's, that's definitely part of it. So, um and a lot of that too was was growth as well. Um, so they yeah they were pumping money to make sure everything continued and try to get whatever growth they could. Uh, everything else was very limited, so um, they just there wasn't enough growth to to support it. Um, they kept pushing money, and that's that was part of it. And we haven't had that problem, although we've had some growth. We slowed down, of course, with different recessions over time, but we have not had enough. Even even with the government programs, it hasn't you know the consumer stability, there was still growth and that's what kept us uh, moving forward, I guess, and kept our rates positive. So one of the things um, also too, I think when you're thinking about, as I guess, if you're one of the customers thinking, you know, our loan officer throws you out different rates at different terms, you know, is actually where we are in the interest rate cycle um, would make a difference, I guess. Um, Cause like today we're at the real bottom. Um, how does that affect kind of one, how you invest or one, how you, you know, get the, you know, do our liability structure. Um, 
how does that change your thinking, I guess, where rates are at and the interest rate cycle as a whole? Right. So, you know, like you said, the interest rate cycle, you're always, you know, ideally um, investing wise, you want to be at the tops, right? You know, you always want to buy, buy high, sell low type um, thought process. So you want to invest, of course, at the highest you want to, you know, if we had to borrow, you want to be at the lowest. So, you know, we're starting, we're not the lowest anymore. We're in the middle here, um, you know, life cycle wise of everything, you know, there, you know, I know I keep mentioning inflation, but that's the hot topic and that's what's going to drive how much growth will continue going forward and how the Fed reacts. And we're going to see that at least throughout this year of 2022 and see how that moves into 2023. But, you know, exactly how they react and how the consumers and the rest of the economy reacts to those rate changes from the Fed, you know, kind of puts us. But we are in the middle of the rate cycle, so we're expecting rates at least to move up a little bit um, to some degree, some different points, different terms at all. You know, but ideally, you know, you know, so we're, you know, generally speaking, you know, we're, we're going to be like a, a lot of banks and we're hit, we're, we'll call it the belly of the curve in that middle term, that three to five year area, just because that's, you know, you're not too short that, that you're hurt by any major changes, but you're also not too long that you're, you're stuck if you, you know, we don't guess rates, of course, but you know, if you're, if you're stuck on just the wrong end on how things change because, um, you know, you're not in control of anything. It's, it's the market and things can change and you never know what's exactly going to happen. You just want to make sure you're prepared for, for where that could go. So, yeah. Yeah. I like what you say. You know, one thing that, you know, I think, and, um, and well, can, we kind of learn from the same spot, you know, as far as investing goes and like, you know, you can't know, you can't guess rates, but at some point you got to have some kind of perspective of, you know, where you're at in the world, right? As far as the, the, the rate cycle and, you know, a good example, we love our, you know, mortgage department. We did a tons of low 3% 30-year fix because it probably, you know, I don't know if it ever, it, you know, you don't say never because then something bad enough will happen where we get rates that low again and, and uh, it'll show right. up and we'll do that again. <laughs> but, you know, you always have to have that perspective, I guess, of where things are at and because uh, it makes a difference, so... It does. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we did, like you said, we did a lot, lots of mortgage rates at 3%. I mean, it was very possible rates could have gone down to one, um, you know, but knowing that that's where the rates were, it's a good opportunity for, for us to, to underwrite those, those loans at, for our customers at those levels, knowing that we were towards the bottom of probably that rate cycle. And, and as you as of, as of right now, of course, it's moved the other direction. So good for the customers that were able to get those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's one perspective too, as the customers like, you know, cause I think our mortgage rates are probably, I don't know, today's rates would be five or maybe a little under or five ish, but you know, they can actually, you know, rates did go back down. You could always refinance them again. Right. Or the, the mortgage customer could. So that's one yes. thing they can do. And, you know, and rates as they get higher and get a little more flexibility and to be able to watch that. So like one thing, uh, you know, I guess the concept, especially for us investing, so it worked a little backwards for our customers are borrowing is the concept. Um, um, I think they always call it head start, right? So how would, I guess, can you explain that a little better? Cause I probably wouldn't explain it very good, but, uh, and how maybe that would apply liability wise or our liability, our investors, our, our liability. customers loans. 
you know, generally speaking, you know, the head start is always, you know, if you're guessing rates, you're, you're never going to be right. Um, I guess, you know, that's kind of where we go with that. So, but a head start, uh, if you do it, you know, I guess my general thought on like thinking of a head start is if we went ahead and invested, uh, we'll just use treasury rates. But if you invest like a two year treasury right now, you know, like I said, it's about 260, 265. That's what you're going to earn. Or, you know, you could stay at the shorter end and and not really do anything at the, with cash on the Fed fund side at that type of rate. And you just you you know, rates are going higher. So it's like, OK, and that just keeps repricing wise. Right. So that's for us. Do we you know, our head start is we're already we're going to go ahead and pick up that higher rate today um, as opposed to pick up the higher rates as they continue to move forward. So that's kind of the key difference there is like, well, we're going to pick up how much over, you know, the longer term over the shorter term. And our head start then is, is um, you know, how much do rates have to move in order to be beneficial or to uh, yeah, outpace what we've already what we put into the longer term. So customers can do kind of the similar type of an aspect, um, you know, for them is, you know, I guess they would want to borrow a little bit longer as opposed to staying a little bit shorter because then they're not going to pick up on those repricing aspects going forward. So, so like, just to like work through an example, you're like, well, and we'll just use that to your treasury in the Fed funds. So that's kind of easy to use. So like what are we, we're getting today on Fed funds. Uh, well, the Fed funds targets 50 basis points today. 50 so. basis points. Okay. We'll use a good round numbers. So like we got cash in at 50 basis points, or you could go buy a two-year treasury at 265. Right. So that makes, so so that would make, we make 2.15% more. So the question is what happens if rates keep going up? Keep going up. So like, so the Federal Reserve, like next week, there's, I guess, pretty much baked in the cake, right? They're going to raise 50 basis 50 points. 50 basis points, yep. So I guess if you're, if, you know, say you bought the 265 treasury, you would at some point be unhappy if the Fed funds rate got over the 265. Got over 265. And then the question then is, well, when does that two, when does that Fed funds rate hit 265? If it takes a while to get there, it's like it's got to go over 265 for your to be worse off. So that's your head start is you've earned your 265 over how long of a period before that short-term rate hit that 265. So Right. And really even Fed funds get to get above 265 so much before you. Right. Yeah. At some point you're basically calculating a break even where cash wise or, you know, income wise. Income wise. So I guess the flip side would be for, you know, guys borrowing, it'd be, they would be going short. That'd be their head start, right? They'd keep a more variable rate or shorter fixed term versus longer. So. And I guess in today's environment, there's not much head start, is there? There's very limited, as you, yeah. Other than that's why we use two year because there's a lot easier between the Fed funds and two year right. as opposed to two year to ten year. Like you're not getting a head start. Twenty basis points is very limited. So yeah, so that would like, and so if you have a flat yield curve, this is going to encourage our customer to go longer versus a steeper one, I guess, because of that. Because of that, exactly. Same factor, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of, it takes a little while to kind of get used to thinking that way, I think, too, that, you know, I guess, and, and that's another thing, too, you know, get our loan officers and we can kind of actually run that and kind of, I'll say, model it out, but you can kind of, 
you can make it too complicated, I think, or run too many scenarios of what could happen. But and generally speaking, you can kind of run, you know, kind of different interest costs and things like that. I guess one challenge too you run into is like, or for us is like, you know, and, and our customer would be the same way. You know, you have, you know, you analyze bank performance in like, whether it be this quarter or for this year, for example. And so, but, you know, you may have part of that advantage this year, but then next year you might not make as much or like for a customer, they may save money this year. Interest expense goes up next year over the two year period. They may be way better off. But it's kind of, so that's kind of a, I guess, um, psychological challenge, I guess, because you're feeling, you know, that extra expense in a different year. Does that make right. sense? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're getting that extra expense next year versus this year. Um, but hopefully, customer wise, you know, business is better. So you actually bring in more revenue. Um, so there's all kinds of, you know, I, I guess that's, like you said, we don't want to complicate it. You don't want to run, you know, we're not going to run some crazy forecast that's or forecast multiple forecasts where you got to run so many scenarios and whatnot that it's too complicated. Just a couple and, you know, try to make sure that it's, I guess, understood of possibilities of where things could go. Yep. And the big webs there, too, is like, you know, like you said, you can't guess rates, but you ought to know how your life changes, I guess, if rates do rates. crazy things or not crazy things or stay flat, go down. You know, who knows what. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, you like to you like to know what 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 your possibility of rates move. Yeah, and you can just kind of use it as a base. Let's just say rates would move 100 basis points, so 100, you know, 100 up. All right, what does that do? And then you can kind of just use that as a base, but only went 50, you know, you can kind of just do a quick math off the top off the top of that and then same way on a down, it just kind of gives you a good understanding of what could happen um, just to make sure you are prepared customers be prepared for those type of changes. Yeah. And because, yeah, because the big thing is like, you know, and one of the things why we do fix those rates too for our customers is, you know, or, you know, at least make that an option, I guess, that they can pick that is because if, you know, a lot of times they want to have be able to plan on this is my payment. I know it's not getting worse than this. And then they can manage a lot of the rest of their business too. Because there's a lot of, you know, uh, you're on a small business or farm. It's not like you're sitting <laughs> watching a Bloomberg screen every day and trying to maximize your or minimize your interest expense or can't have that much time. Right. So, right. Yeah. We try to make, make it so that it's one less, uh, one less thought process within the business, uh, environment form. Right. You know, the joys with interest rates is, you know, and I mentioned it earlier, we're on a world stage now, so anything can happen. News from wherever. I mean, I know Russia's and Russia and Ukraine are, you know, always a topic. Um, you know, China's always a top that China's been a topic for how many years? How many hundred, you know, for whatever long period now. And of course, you know, how things happen in Europe, you know, and I know like I said, we're a global economy, we're waiting on different things for this and that. And I know there's parts from different parts of the world that customers wait on and, you know, everything else. So Anything like that can always change, um, change the, the thought process of where things are going in the future. And always that's always going to change rates. So that's kind of the key is interest rates are always dependent on what else is going on with the economy. Um, and once that happens, they will change again. <laughs> and it seems like, yeah, it could be something happened 15 minutes from now. It can change everybody's thoughts wildly, it seems like anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, and I don't know, and maybe it's because of 
you know, you have some, I will say more global uncertainty with, you know, um, cause you know, China's what, at, you know, anyway, th- this time locking down some really big cities trying to, you know, uh, control the COVID in their area. And then you throw the Russian Ukraine deal in, does that kind of make something more volatile, I guess, do you think, or. Well, I think, you know, I mean, I, you know, I guess China's always been a question, so we're not really sure. Um, you know, I think there's always been questions exactly what kind of information we get from from the government there. So that's always been a, a question. And you can probably say the same thing about a lot of different countries uh, as well. But so that becomes the question on is like, where does their growth? Because, I mean, all the, the amount of people in a country you know, that size, um, that that amount of people is going to change the global economy. Just, it, it's just natural. I mean, they're, that's, that's a lot of people and then, you know, that drives a lot of things. Um, and of course, you know, Russia, it, it, you know, we are in a, an energy world and a commodity world. And I know our customers know that, you know, ag based. And so stuff like that, commodity wise, anything that changes those things, be it, you know, the energy from Russia or even, you know, their, their, like their wheat or whatnot, how that changes the rest of the global supply and how that comes back and affects our current, you know, our customers here. Um, that, that does make a lot of different changes. And so those, those geopolitical aspects are going to, you know, change a lot of different things. And of course, you know, like I said, once those start to change, that changes thoughts on interest rates. So, <laughs> You know, it's kind of interesting. You think about, you know, I wouldn't, you know, like even myself, you know, like 2019 before the pandemic, who'd ever imagine you might like, might not be able to get something. Right. You know, whether it be vehicles are famous, chemicals, we have customers deal, you know, can they get enough chemical parts? And, you know, it's like even two years in this, like I would have never dreamed we'd have that many issues getting stuff, you know? But yeah, I mean, we were talking, everybody was talking about, you know, with Amazon delivery being within a day, same day, next day, you know, I mean, and now we're, I don't know, months, months, deliveries, years of whatever it is, it seems like now it's like, oh, well, I guess we're not quite where we thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> That's the exciting part of living in, like, say, a global economy that we're relying on lots of other people and who knows what's going on. All right. Well, I think that's got most of our topics that I think I had on my list there, Shane, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time. And again, if our customers, you know, need help run some scenarios, something, you know, issues like that, they worry about, you know, we can get probably as detailed in the weeds as you want us to and uh, can kind of follow up. And I know uh, one of the things we do too is uh, uh, have Shane involve our loan officers to kind of keep them abreast of what's going on in the markets and interest rates and, because uh, they're all tied together. So uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us, Shane, and uh, uh, we'll let you get back at it. All right. Thanks for having me. All appreciate right. it. Thanks for listening to DreamMaker, making dreams come true. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on social media at FNB Windmill and online at fnb-windmill.com. Heard a topic that could enrich someone else's life too? Be sure to share this podcast with friends and family and check back regularly for new episodes or subscribe so you never miss a show. See you soon.